Hello, world, and thank you for joining me today. This is Shelley Shearer, and you are listening to the podcast Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, where if I've experienced it, I'm going to share it with you. If I've learned it, I'm going to tell you about it, and always some education along the way. Good morning, world. Shelley Shearer here. Welcome to Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the show on not living in regret. Well, are you adaptable? Because let me tell you how adaptable we're having to be on the west coast of Vancouver these days. Yesterday, thinking that we had uh, been done with the snow and we knew this huge cold weather snap was coming through, my husband cleared stairs, driveways, it had rained for a day and a half, so basically all kind of surfaces other than where snow was piled up was clear. Yeah. We live just high enough than the rest of certain areas in the lower mainland. I went down to my parents' 20 acres yesterday and uh, their snow was completely gone. They only had a skiff anyways and it was gone. I come home and, you know, my driveway's clear, but my yards are full. And we woke up again this morning to four more inches. <laughs> my poor husband. And it is going to freeze now. It is one degrees in the bright sunshine. There is a uh, gorgeous, it is just a gorgeous, gorgeous day out there. But that means rain isn't coming to wash this all away. And we as West Coasters are sort of used to that. Uh, just a little segue, by the way, I'm terribly sorry. I understand that my sound is not great right now, that my uh, recording sound a little bit like I'm in a wind tunnel, not the quality they were. I have no clue. I am so sorry, but my IT son is coming home from South Africa on Wednesday. I will get him on it. I moved my office around of my own accord. You assume you plug everything back in where you found it. Everything seems to quote unquote work to a certain extent. But yes, I am struggling so uh, even when I'm doing my editing, I can hear just a little bit of a difference, but I've gotten some feedback, and I do apologize. We will be, get on it as quick as possible. So why do I say adaptable? Well, I gave my sister the shock of her life yesterday. Now, my family and I, um, if you listen to my podcast on a regular basis, we you know that we struggle. We are a family that does not get along and love easily. There's a lot of undercurring currents and tensions in our life, a lot of crap from the past, uh, just a lot of stuff that gets in the way, and we as a family struggle with this. And so because of that, my family really doesn't have a, a dialed-in view of what's been happening in my life the last three years and how my illness has affected me. So my sister got a wee bit of a shock yesterday when I rallied myself. And again, they have no clue what it takes. So I got up in the morning, had some energy, was looking at my office because I needed to do something. And went, no, that's a Monday job. It is Sunday. It's the Lord's Day for me. Um, and although I don't always go to church in the morning, it's still a day where I say, you know what, take this time, especially now with an illness, to rest. But I actually had a bit of energy and I cleaned the house. I didn't leave it for Monday in case I got behind. Thank heavens because I crashed today. No big deal. Not the point of the podcast. The point is I cleaned the house and I had just enough energy to kind of get showered and go face a room full of people. Now that may seem odd. But if you're an introvert, you'll understand what I'm saying. Now, I'm not an introvert. This is my illness that makes me this way. I'm clearly an extrovert and an A-type personality by nature. But um, unfortunately, things have changed with my fibro, and I have to guard my energy. So I went down there yesterday, got to see my niece. She's leaving for Hawaii with her boyfriend's family. So she won't be here Christmas Day. Took her present down, got to visit. I leave. I'm exhausted. No big deal. I, this is my life. I'm used to it. The shock was my sister found out that I don't leave the house for days on end. She looked at me. Now, I have always worked. My sister worked when she was very first married, but when she became a mom, my sister never went into the workforce again. She has had the advantage and privilege of being a stay-at-home mom to her three girls and later has uh, helped run my um, 
father's trucking company when it was passed on to her and my brother-in-law. So it's not like she sits at home eating chocolates. No one works harder than my sister, but she's not tied to a job outside the home. Now that she's a grandmother and her girls are raised, she volunteers actually to keep herself busy. She has always looked at me as the one that's the go, go, goer. For for him, for me, for her to look at me and say, well, what do you mean your house found with the snow? I says, well, we've never spent the money to put snows on the caddy. It was just a thousand bucks we didn't feel like spending because we own a truck and I work at home. So I said, yeah, I made sure I went to yoga Thursday because I knew it was going to snow Friday. And then when this weather kicks in, Ange, I'm stuck in the house for days. She was flabbergasted. She was flabbergasted. So I, I kind of came home going, yeah, they really just kind of don't have a clue what Kisa my day-to-day -day life looks like. But, you know, day-to-day -day life has looked, has looked pretty good the last few days. But, again, it's about adaptability. So there she was so surprised, and it made me look at my life and how we all manage. So I have a vehicle that can't go out in the snow. But I still have clients. There's chores to be done. There's Christmas shopping to be done. There are things that need to get done. Are you adaptable to changes in your life? When something completely beyond your control arrives, do you have the ability to stand back and say, okay, these are the new set of circumstances. How can I move forward with these circumstances? And how can I do it in a positive, productive manner? I want you to know that if, if what I said right now resonates with you, you are 20% of the population. That is the study. It's 20 somewhat percent of the population. And good for you. Because the people that really struggle, and those are the people that I'm speaking to right now, are the ones that panic. They see the roadblock, and that's all they see. They stand in the middle of the road with it blocked, not realizing they could walk around the edge of the shoulder and get onto another track. That is not a weakness. It is actually something you need to practice. There are those of us that do come by this naturally. I do understand that. But just like any skill... Thinking outside the box can become a bit of a skill set. Now, if you've ever watched the show Elementary, uh, love that show. Um, young actor from England that I saw years and years ago in a show called, it was a computer, when computers were first all the rage. Uh, it'll come to me in a minute. Hackers, just a cute kid. And he is the lead who plays Sherlock Holmes on the show. And of course, the um, lovely Lucy Liu plays uh, Joan Watson. He taught her to be a detective. She's a doctor. She's a surgeon by nature. In the show, she becomes a sober companion. And, uh, and then in turn, because she's a sober companion, she, a world-class detective, ends up being taught to be a detective. Did she have a skill set and a raw talent? Yes. But she was still taught to be a detective. Was it something she woke up out of the cradle and, and, you know, like some idiot savant can look at the world around her and just see everything? No. She was taught to look for the clues. Thinking outside the box and being able to overcome obstacles is a very similar skill set. It's not a sacred gift. It is a skill set. So the question is, do you have enough areas in your life for you to practice this? Or have you been getting lots of practice but not realizing it? Have you been wallowing in self-pity, stamping your feet? feeling sorry for yourself, playing the victim, because that is what happens, unfortunately, to so many people. And that's why those of us um, that don't live in victim are so clearly can see it in other people, and why you, if you are not a victim liver, find living with other people that live in victim so frustrating, because it's not sort of on your radar. We all have moments that we're there, but for the most part, either you live a life where you choose not to be, or unconsciously you are. So those of you that are unconsciously, that's who I want to speak to. I want to speak to you to say, 
how do, can you get yourselves out of those types of ideas? Because it really is an idea in your head. That's all it is. It is a concept that you are stuck. It is a belief that you cannot see around the problem. Now, don't get me wrong. Some problems are, are fairly insurmountable or life-changing, like my getting fibro and us losing my ability to earn a six-figure income and, and live in the home that I had designed and dreamt of all my life. My, my younger sister was given the family business. I had chosen a different path. When that was all taken away, let me tell you, it's, it's drastic. It's life-altering. But I couldn't get lost in that. And sometimes you just have to look around at the people around you. For me, I have a husband, a son, and a granddaughter that rely on me, that love me. And they couldn't just see me crawl up into a hole or curl up into a hole and never come out of it. Not to mention I have enough friends on my case that they never would have allowed it anyways. But that's the point I'm trying to make is, do you live in victim or do you find a way around? So if you can think outside the box, it's a matter of practicing. Because let me tell you, it is not easy the first time when you are young and faced with, faced with an insurmountable problem. Now, you will see certain children and they will just intuitively find their way around stuff. I love children that can actually get around their parents or around their grandparents for that, for that matter. Yeah, even when my granddaughter pulls it, I may not always let her get away with it if she's being naughty and being manipulative, but I do have to kind of laugh and appreciate the gift that she has to realize that she feels that she has the ability to manipulate Grandpa and I. And it is quite cute. In fact, again, a little segue, I was hearing a story yesterday from my sister. Now, my sister and her husband are Tutu and Chief. They're not Grandma and Grandpa. I don't know where that comes from. Doesn't matter. They have the loveliest little grandson, uh, and he is my great-nephew. And I hadn't seen Porter in uh, in a few months, other than just at the wedding, because I haven't babysat him or anything for about six months. Well, six months in a two-year-old's life is a long time. So he's looking at me. He knows me, but he's not close like he was when he was little. When he was little, and I looked after him. He'd just come and jump in my arms. And I noticed there's that little bit of, of uh, space now. And he's got a, a new stepdad, and his life has got more people in it now. He's in daycare. And so he could see I was holding a toy. So he comes up to Annie Shelley to get the toy. But then he kind of takes it and he backs away and he looks at me. And then a few times throughout the day, he got real cheeky. And, and it hurt. his mom was like, oh, he is so too right now. So I had to watch him. He was sitting on the edge of the counter watching Tutu make um, whipped cream for the cake she was serving yesterday. And he wanted to wiggle and I was holding him still. He was having none of that. So he just looked me right down and he looked me down right in the eye, gave me the hairy eyeball. And I had to look away and then break out laughing. Because honestly, he was being cheeky, but I had to, I was killing myself. Some two-year-old was trying to stare me down. That's never going to happen. <laughs> I don't let dogs stare me down. But he was giving it his all. So later, I, I ran into, into the bedroom with my niece and, um, and sister to look at something she had bought for Christmas. And she's telling me the story of how, you know, these kids are just funny as heck. He gets away with murder with my sister. Oh, like my granddaughter does, and it's just how we roll. But she is not the authoritarian. She wasn't raising her own children. She's the first to admit that. She's definitely not with her grandchildren. But my brother-in-law still is. He is the same as he was when I had my son. He was a bit hard on Ryan when he was little. He didn't have kids of his own. Then he had his own. He was still hard on all of them, but then he was realizing the role that he was playing. It was like, oh, this isn't as easy as it looks. No. Armchair warriors, it's, you're never really warring. You're just uh, living vicariously. Well, then he had his own. Well, now he's got a grandson. So Brad's actual attitudes are very consistent. So when, when Porter gets in trouble, he gets in trouble from Grandpa. Well, the funniest thing is, Angie says, 
Porter's little eyes, he gets, he gets snapped at or he gets time out and his little eyes fill with tears and he's just been so naughty because I mean, it takes a lot for my brother-in-law to step in. Okay. We have, you gotta be t telling this kid, like maybe throwing things at the wall or at people or scream, like doing something really naughty, like really rude and naughty because there's, you know, my brother-in-law's got a very, very long leash. Well, little Porter, he's his little tears fill up with eyes and he, he puts his head down and he wanders over to, to chief and he pulls his soothie out. And he puts his arms up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I kind of had to laugh because the story of this was a little bit with the story of how little kids are a little bit like dogs. It doesn't matter who spanks them or, or punishes them. They still come back to you because they know who's in charge. A uh, little bit true. Um, and no, my brother's lost not spanking his, his, his grandson, but, uh, but he was getting a timeout and he knew he was naughty. And I just have to laugh at the reaction. So, Part of that as well is regret and feeling bad, but also part of that is still a two-year-old's mind. He knows that Chief will forgive him, and he knows that that's the role he has to play a little bit. Well, we're kind of no different. Sometimes we just have to take our lumps and suck it up and, and move past something, something bad. Or, as in the case of how I started this podcast before my segue with my family, I'm sorry, I'm still just getting a little giggle out of Porter, is... Can you get around the obstacle? Now, in this particular case, that two-year-old, his grandfather was his obstacle. His grandfather wasn't letting him throw water all over the floor in the kitchen or whatever it was he was doing to be naughty or smacking the dog or whatever he was doing because they have a little dog that's smaller than Porter. He's little Charlie's little two-pounder. It doesn't matter. He had to get past that punishment and past grandpa because he, he, he needs grandpa. He loves grandpa. We have things in our life that we come up against all the time. Now, for me, it was the weather. It may seem very minuscule, but it's the, what got me thinking on my lesson today for all of you is can you work around it? Now, for me, first of all, plan ahead. I'm a planner. I love change. I do. But I also am very comfortable and secure when I have a plan. That plan can change. I like having things in the calendar, know what's coming up. I do not fly by the seat of my pants. Last week when we knew this weather was coming, I did not wait till Friday and then throw my hands in the air going, oh my, I can't get to the store. I did it on Thursday, rearranged my schedule, and I'm fully accepting that I may not be able to leave my house for the next couple of days. My car is not a snow tires. Our very dear neighbor has already schmucked up his car because there's just no controlling black ice and other drivers. So when I have uh, three days worth of client work. <clears throat> We're going out for lunch for Christmas with my family. Sorry, guys. David, my sister drives an all-wheel drive with snow tires for that. She'll come get me. No problem. But why would I go and risk my vehicle in an unsafe situation? So I made sure that my plans were fixed so that I could get what I needed to get done without leaving the house and that other things were looked after. So I'd like to plan ahead. What if you're faced with an absolute obstacle straight in front of you? First of all, please listen carefully. You must step back from the situation. It is the number one thing that most people do. They get stuck. They get nailed with something, bad health, an illness, a bankruptcy, a divorce. They lose their job. One of their children is having problems. It doesn't matter what the situation, guys. Our world is full of challenges. Whether they're first world or third world, our world is full of challenges. Do you panic and step forward into the quicksand or do you step back onto a solid rock and then reassess the situation from three steps back? 
You know how I talk about the 135 rule? This is a perfect example of rule five, five steps back, especially with a large problem. Now you may take one step back to begin with, and then you may take one step over, and then two steps back. By the time I got my fibromyalgia under control, I was a good five dozen steps back, um, sorry, five or half a dozen steps back, because I really had to keep stepping back and looking wider to get around the wall. So always imagine that your problem is a wall. Well, no wall is infinite. Even the Great Wall of China has an end. So if you can step back far, far enough or step up high enough, you'll be able to look over or around your problem and find another route. Now, is your life going to look the same on the other side of that pathway? No, it's not. That's the other part of accepting change is if you can adapt to a new, a new road and a new set of circumstances, even if it takes time, and for most people it does take time. It took me a year, a solid year to get my life back on track. A year that was very hard on my husband and those around me. A year where my family had no clue what was going on with me. They didn't ask, I didn't tell. Um, takes time. But is one year out of your life when you've still got 10, 20, 30, 40 years left ahead of you, if not more, is that really the end of the world? You have a lot more life out there. So it would make sense and behoove you to practice getting around obstacles. And when I say it's practice, it's the knee-jerk response that has to stop. So many of us, we panic, we step forward into the quicksand, and then all we're doing is working to keep our head above water or above the quicksand, hanging onto the branch, treading water, whatever you want to call it. Sometimes it's because we're then past the left or the right, or going over the mess is very painful, so we don't want to do that either. But sometimes you've got to be able to see further down the line, really all the time, but in very serious circumstances, and see what what can be. And that is where the adaptability comes in. The what if, what if this could happen? What if you could make that happen? Sit down and make a list. I'm a big proponent of writing things down and I don't mean just typing it into your iPad. There is a direct correlation between the pen and the paper. I think the words that, you know, uh, the pen is mightier than the sword probably has a lot more application in today's technological age than it did hundreds of years ago in the age of the war-torn uh, world of ex exploration and the Crusades. But the bottom line is we are wired a certain way and technology actually does not work with our analog body system. So pen to paper truly, or pencil to paper even, is something that will stick with you longer. It actually has been clinically proven that your neural pathways lock into place better and remembering things better when you write them down versus typing them. And especially if you're like me and have typed your whole life and you can do it without thinking, then I really don't need to think about it. So write things down. Think of four possibilities, three or four possibilities of how things could be different. You know, the what ifs, and they might be big. Like for me, finances were a huge issue with my health because one, it costs a lot to keep me going. And our lifestyle, you know, we're used to a certain lifestyle and I like to travel and do the things that I like to do. And when I'm not making that money, we couldn't do it. So our life took a double whammy. Um, not only was I sick, but now we couldn't do the things that we have always loved doing. And we're not old. You know, you may think if you're listening to this podcast and you're in your 20s and 30s, take your, my word for it. When you hit 50, 
uh, it's not as old as you think it is <laughs> at this particular moment in time. Um, I always thought it was old and middle-aged, but until you get here, then, you know, your brain doesn't really change. You age and gain experience, and yes, that look at that face in the mirror definitely shows the lines and the hair of the gray, but my mind is still the same. My memory still remembers high school, it remembers my childhood, it remembers the events of my life, some of them as if they were yesterday. And although people grew up around us and our children, and they're going through their experiences, we're still the same people inside. Our consciousness, I do, I'm not even sure our consciousness ages. I think, I think our wisdom grows and we expand, but I don't think our consciousness actually uh, ages. And it'd be interesting to see what happens to our consciousness, consciousness after we pass away. Is it part of our soul? Do they go together? I kind of think they do. When I use the term old soul, new soul, you see someone that's, uh, that you just think, wow, common sense left them. They just got in the wrong line, train versus brain. You know, they just, they're just, they just, everything goes wrong for them. They honestly couldn't find their way out of a paper bag. I have to look at people like that and I just go, ah, oh, first time on the planet. <laughs> Don't know. Then you meet someone else and they are wise beyond their words, especially when you see it in a child who's got a gift. You just think, where does that come from? Have they been here before? Who knows? I don't know. I just think it's interesting. These are just things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> Getting around a problem. Okay? So always step back. Find another route. Make a list. Wish for something big. Especially if your problem seems insurmountable. But you need to be adaptable. Unfortunately, in North America, um, there's been many times when we've gone through an entire generation with very very little obstacles. Well, now if you know, in the last eight years, we've had a major recession. Uh, we haven't seen a world war like the turn of the century, the prior century, but there's still, you know, technology is, is growing astronomically. Our health is declining astronomically. Uh, people are still going to war. People are still being brainwashed. Children are still carrying guns and have no value of other people's lives. Religions are still going amok and there's still evil out there. Okay. This is the world we live in. Think and dream big because you've got to get over and around some of this quote unquote crap that's in the world and make the best life you can for yourself. So there, there is the law of attraction. Attract to yourself what you want, but you have to be adaptable. I remember my sister saying to me once when I was building my home, there was a lot of obstacles. And Angela was just like, what are you doing? Because to her, her attitude a little bit, it was her belief system, not faulting it, it just wasn't my belief system. Her belief system that you put, there's enough obstacles go up, it's God telling you, don't. I believe there's enough obstacles going up, it means something really great waiting at the other end of it, and to keep going because God's just testing my resolve. So her and I come from very, very different psychological viewpoints in life, and hence why her life sort of has a, a more smoothness to it than mine does in certain areas, especially financially. Because that's, she has the belief system of, hey, this is too much effort. So it's probably because, you know, God's just telling you it's wrong. And I just don't believe that. So, granted, it was a huge amount of work. And there were huge obstacles. But my home that I owned for a decade was just spectacular. It was a place that I entertained and showed love beyond measure and was able to wallow in my gifts and give to other people. It wasn't, my house wasn't just about me was hardly about me actually because um, it was always full of people but 
it was my sanctuary, but it was also my entertaining space. And it was just, it was a, an accomplishment. And I feel very, very blessed that I had that opportunity. But boy, it did not come easy. Not even for a heartbeat. And this new phase in our life is not coming easy. But there are just huge benefits to it. Huge benefits. So overcome the obstacles. Learn to take a step back. Write things down. Figure out a way to not knee-jerk. And like I say, it takes practice. Unfortunately, that means you have to go through tough times. <laughs> because every time you go through another lesson and you handle it better, you handle it with more wisdom, you are learning and you are growing, and the obstacles will seem very small. So that when something big maybe does come down your life, like in my case, in my, you know, at the age of late 40s, you have the wisdom and ability to say, this will not defeat me, and I will carry on. Have a great day, everyone. I hope everyone's getting ready for Christmas. Take care, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you for joining me here today. And if you subscribe to my podcast, you won't miss a thing. Remember to focus on not living in regret. You can reach me on Twitter at livingwell8 or email me at livingwellwithshell at gmail.com. Let me know what you like best about today's podcast, leave a review on iTunes, or leave me a message on something you'd like me to speak on next. Have a great day, everyone.